You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Kego Lasso. A lot to talk about with Jimmy Conrad and James Benj. Tottenham plays Fulham at Newcastle. Host Liverpool. We have Atletico and Real Madrid both playing on Wednesday. We also discuss the latest test results of COVID-19 with the Premier League. Uh, some transfer chatter involving, of course, Diego Costa. Where will he go? And so much more. Stay right here. Kego Lasso begins right now. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Que Golazo. As we near, near the end of 2020, we have a few more episodes for you this week. And of course, we have Jimmy Conrad. Jimmy, what's up, brother? What's up? How's it going? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm feeling it. I'm excited that 2020 is almost over and onwards and upwards in 2021. Here, here, my friend. And of course, uh, with us is James Benj. James, how are you, buddy? I'm great, thanks. Um, Like Jimmy... I'm counting down the minutes until we're rid of this rubbish year and we're into 2021. That's the future. 2021 is so future. 2020. Preach, my friend. Preach. Here's to 2020. Bye bye. Bye bye bye. Let's get 2021 going. All right, let's begin. Uh, we have a few matches to talk about, of course, for Wednesday uh, in the Premier League and La Liga. But let's begin with just some of the latest news surrounding uh the world of football, of course, focusing on the Premier League. Uh, recently, the league just announced, uh, obviously, after Man City and Everton had to uh, cancel, uh, postpone itself uh, from Monday due to coronavirus. Uh, Gabriel from Arsenal as well, uh, you know, not playing as we speak of Tuesday's matches. He's not the only one. A few more um you know, uh, players that are not available due to the virus. And the Premier League confirming 18 positive tests in the latest round of COVID-19 testing for players and staff. So, you know, it's, it's, it's both players and staff. And that's more than twice as many in the previous round. And we just wanted to talk a little bit about it. I don't know if it's concerning some of us here. Um, let's begin with you, James Benji, just as uh, just geographically speaking, you're the closest there. So let, w- w- what are your thoughts in regards to just the heightened number of these COVID cases in the Premier League? Well, I think most of all, this isn't something that we should be surprised by because the Premier League is really just reflecting what's happening in British society. Hospital admissions now in the United Kingdom are as high as they've ever been for COVID-19. There has been a pretty disastrous handling of this by the British government. And fundamentally, uh, footballers, they live in Great Britain. They are as much as they are well tested and they live in in bubbles and they, they can afford to isolate themselves from the world to a certain extent. Uh, you know, they can't avoid everything that's going on. They can't, you know, they want to spend time with family and all that. And it's obviously been a trying festive period and a a period where a lot of people are in close contact with people. Um, Hence, it is only natural that people in the football industry get get this. Um, I thought it was certainly intriguing to note how uh, unhappy Everton were with the way in which the City game was postponed. And um, I remember Villa, when Newcastle had COVID kind of ravaged their squad, Villa were very much supportive of the um, decision to to postpone the game. Everton they certainly had questions um, about how this city, uh, the, the city postponement had taken place and, and who was responsible. And I think everyone has these questions that are unanswered. But look, these have been hard times for, for footballers. Mistakes are going to be made. And I think 
one of the challenges with the way the game's running is if you can kind of get into that bubble within a first team squad, this can theoretically uh, spread really rapidly. So I'm not sure this City game, this City match will be the last, might not even be the last City match postponed um, because you've, you've just got to be careful. And in Britain, we're so close to, to getting a few more people vaccinated. And I think while that's waiting, you may well see a few games being postponed. Yeah, and, and it's not just the Premier League, Jimmy Conrad. Of course, we're also looking lower as well. League One, of course, Doncaster Rovers and Rochdale have also been forced to postpone their next two and three games. And of course, it's not just about the yesterday, but it's what happens in the future, right? So Chelsea are waiting to see if they're even going to play against Manchester City this weekend. So there's this, you know, continuous issue that we have to face with um, uh, regarding uh, specifically the Premier League. Yeah, I would say that there's two lenses we can look through on this particular subject, right? These guys are human. At the end of the day, they need some release to their pressure. You know, you, they, I think they're normal routines. Some guys go to the movies. Some guys like to go outside and socialize. Jack Grealish in particular doesn't care about the rules. He's going to do whatever he wants. Nice Aston Villa dig there. But there's other players, you know, Sergio Aguero. He, he reminds me of some guy that just when he's in his downtime, just wants to play video games, right? So I think there's a lot of different ways that players are going to react to the pressure and expectations that they're still under. And now they're in this bubble. And I feel like some of them feel handcuffed in a lot of different ways that they can't be themselves. So when you add in this festive period, as James says, and you add in this desire, and we, I think we've all done it. This isn't isolated to these guys, but when you're around family and when I had took my daughters down in the, the peak of COVID down to LA, cause my mom was moving away from our childhood home. She was crying because she couldn't hug my daughters. So, so what do you do in that situation when that's, you know, amplified over the, you know, the festive times and you're just like, ah, whatever, just give them a hug. You know, I mean, you, everybody kind of gets to that point. And when you have these guys that have been under lock and key and, and, and are just in this bubble for so long, I could see them going, ah, it's Christmas. Let's just hug each other. And I can see why this spreads for sure uh, in a lot of different ways. So you have that human element that these guys are facing as well as professional athletes. That, that have to have some type of release to balance the pressures that they're under. But then there's another part of me in the conspiracy theory side that's like, you know what guys, if all the players talk to each other from other teams, I know a good way we could get out of playing a lot of games in a short period of time. Just start getting COVID everybody. We're like, we're really fine, we're healthy. We got the best doctors in the world. We're gonna be good, you know, that's just a bad joke. But I will say that they are getting some rest. And I would say that we could argue that some of the top clubs that are playing more competitions than others could really use that rest. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I think the human aspect is very important to remember as well. And let's also not forget, like, yes, of course, can the Premier League do better? Yes. But, you know, I think for, you know, for, just for the mere fact throughout the entire year to try and just continue with the league action, both last season and this season, you know, we should at least, uh, you know, commend the fact that they're trying their absolute hardest in many ways. But yes, much more can be done, of course, but never for any circumstance, disregard the human aspect. I mean, Ralph Hasenhuttle is not going to be part of the uh, Southampton, uh, uh, you know, bench, just, you know, a, a family member had it uh, during the holiday period. So he's following protocol. So it's all these ripple effect, all these things that are going to be intertwined. Uh, but we just wanted to discuss it because these numbers are alarming and we have to just, you know, uh, be on the lookout, especially as uh, the weather gets colder, of course. All right, let's uh, move on. Let's talk a little bit about transfer chatter. Diego Costa, uh, our favorite villain uh, in many ways. Uh, 
he is done with Atletico Madrid. Uh, the contract is terminated uh, and he is a free agent. And, you know, much of the conversation is obviously about where he will end up. Obviously, of course, follow CBSports.com where you can follow Fabrizio Romano, James Bench, um, Jonathan Johnson on the latest of all of this. But uh, Jimmy, Atletico Madrid, your team. I wanted just your quick thoughts on that. Yeah, I'm a little disappointed, obviously, when you lose a guy like him who, whether you love him or hate him, I mean, he still has a presence out on the field. I think injuries have really hurt his second stint at the club. Obviously, signing Luis Suarez didn't help as well. He's just going to be second choice. I know he did score recently on a penalty, uh, but he just wasn't going to be the top choice, even the second choice, maybe even the third with uh, with the emergence of Angel Correa doing a little bit more within the team up top with Joao Felix. Um, so, Okay, you get, you get rid of him. What I find interesting is that, and I just read this and I think Benj can confirm it, that if he leaves and goes to a rival, then, and I'm talking the other Madrid club in Barcelona, and I think Sevilla would be the other one that they're considering, uh, he'll get fined 25 million. And I kind of like that. I like that. <laughs> and, if he go, and if he goes to a club that's playing in the Champions League, uh, he gets fined 5 million. If he doesn't go to any clubs that they're not going to face, uh, ultimately he gets to keep the remaining $3.2 million of his salary. So I found that to be really interesting. Now, with regard to where he should go, you know, I think any team that needs a proper a-hole in their team, uh, an arsenal, I'm kind of looking at you, somebody that could really just sharpen, uh, <laughs> sharpen the knives a little bit and make you a little bit tougher. They seem like a, somewhat of an obvious choice, depending on, you know, some of the, the limits, but I, we could get into that a little bit. I want to hear Benja's thoughts on that, but with regard to Letty. Uh, I think it's a good move. You're shedding somebody that maybe isn't fitting with the identity and evolution of your team. Uh, he was very expensive, making eight and a half million dollars a year. So you could just shed that a little bit and maybe open up some salary to sign other players in the upcoming transfer window or uh, in the summer. James, what are your thoughts on Diego Costa? Uh, he's well known, uh, not just in La Liga, but obviously in the Premier League as well. Uh, with his days with Chelsea, et cetera. How, what do you make of this? I mean, I'm thinking he's just going to follow the money, right? Saudi Arabia, yeah. China. <laughs> 32 yeah. years old, he can still produce. I mean, MLS maybe, but I'm just feeling he's going to still want to follow that money. I, I would suspect he, the only thing that, that would intrigue me is whether a, a Premier League club that isn't Arsenal, Arsenal won't do it because they've tried signing 30-year-old former Chelsea Brazilians and... It is not a popular move to fans. <laughs> you know, another William, another David Luiz, and there's riots outside the Emirates Stadium. Um, I really like the idea of him in, at Wolves. Who's his agent? Um, uh, well, exactly. The same one as Raul Jimenez's, right? Indeed. It might make a little bit of sense to, you know, plug that gap uh, whilst uh, Raul's out injured. Um, otherwise, I don't know. I mean, part of me thought, who needs a sort of third string striker of a top level into Milan. Um, but I'm not sure Antonio Conte would welcome him back with open. That's the thing. When you've pissed off everyone in Europe, it's quite hard to find somewhere to go. So yeah, yeah best to follow the money. Um, I'd like to see him in MLS because man, he'd, he'd be a nightmare. He'd, he'd ruin your country. <laughs> he will, he would destroy some people here, but you know, uh, the issue with Diego Costa, it's also, aside from the, you know, I think the contract demands that he'll probably have just in his final years. And I think it's also uh, the physical attributes. I just, I don't know, like, I think that Wolves would fit him, even if it was just like a temporary thing, just because some, he, Wolves need somebody up top. They just need someone. It's Fabio Silva is too young right now. He's too inexperienced to try and hold that pressure. Uh, the thing that worries me is that, 
you know, it, our, our Diego Costa, I feel like, you know, he comes for a few games and then he gets injured and then he's out for a few months. Whereas somewhere like MLS, where they're just getting ready for preseason in January, getting used, it would be a really intriguing thing. But again, Jimmy, I just feel that Diego is just smelling that cash, that dollar sign. And where, you know, China's just going to offer him a ridiculous amount, Saudi Arabia, and he'll just go there, which is a shame because I feel Diego could give us a few more years in the top league. I like the Wolves shot a lot. I think it makes a lot of sense. Uh, let's even leave his agent out of it. It just makes a lot of sense for, for both player and club. Mm. I could see him signing a six-month deal and then maybe making that permanent move to China or Saudi Arabia over the summer, something to that effect. And then, or maybe a six-month with a potential 18-month. You know, you make it a year and a half based on the recovery of Raul Jimenez, who could be done for his career, which would be very sad uh, given the, the, the severity of his injury. But, but um yeah, I like that one a lot. I agree, though, Arsenal, though, I would say romantic. I just think they need somebody like him in the team. They need a bastard in the team. Every every team needs a bastard, I think, if you're going to be successful. Somebody that will kind of raise the the the, the anger. <laughs> I don't know anger is the right word, but just the intensity of, of the squad and hold people accountable on the field. I don't know if you can always do that as the number nine. I feel like that's more of a CDM center back type of role, but but. Uh, I'm just using the Arsenal as an example. There are plenty of teams that could use a little spice. And let's be honest, Jose Mourinho would have to be looking at it. You know he likes those tough bastards, and I really feel like Diego Costa could really do that. I know Carlos Vinicius has been pretty good as a backup, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if Mourinho's like, yeah, I wouldn't mind looking at him for six months and maybe help us get this title. Yeah, well, it will be an interesting uh, narrative to follow, especially at the beginning of, beginning of January as you know teams begin to really figure out what they need. All right, when we come back, we will touch base on all the games for Wednesday and you know a little bit more, perhaps a transfer story that may interest both either James or Jimmy. Stay right here. Welcome back, everybody, to Que Golazo. Before we kick off about the previews for Wednesday, uh, I know, I know you're waiting. Uh, perhaps you want to put some money on it. You're a little bored in this last week of 2020. Just hold on. Just hold on a second. Because I want to ask these two if, like, you know, January's coming. You know, uh, the opening of the transfer window in Europe, uh, plenty of interest surrounding many players. But, you know, January's a very tricky month. Uh, sometimes you can get an anomaly like Bruno Fernandes, who can tr totally just change your squad or just somebody that basically is trying to fill a void, uh, you know, as we talked about Wolves, Diego Costa, et cetera. So I wanted to ask just James Bench and Jimmy Conrad, if they had, if they were looking at something specific, um, you know, with a specific player, specific team that might happen or they might want to happen uh, as January enters. Let's begin with you, James Bench. What, what, do, you, what do you see here in January? What, what are you looking at? So um, obviously the mood music coming out of Liverpool before uh, the draw with West Brom was, we don't need to sign another centre-back. Jurgen Klopp trusts Joel Matip and trusts Fabinho. And we don't know yet, or I, I certainly haven't heard any indication, how bad Matip's injury was. Even if it's only a little one, I felt like it was a, a healthy reminder that Matip has injury history, that Nat Phillips and um, Reese Williams are just kids. Uh, and that Fabinho, who I think, I've been doing a list of the players of the season. I think he's the player of the season, but no one's going to vote for him. Um, that's not quite enough. And so I, I, I'm intrigued as to whether Liverpool's stance changes and they do go in for someone like Kabak at Schalke. Um, someone that can maybe thread the needle as a long-term project um, to maybe succeed Van Dijk. Or maybe even you just go, we need someone for six months. We need someone just to get us to the end of the season that's real top quality. Um, I'm keeping an eye out on that. 
I, you know, Liverpool spent a long time saying that they weren't looking at Thiago, that Thiago wasn't on their list, that they're never going to sign Thiago, and then there he is in the number six shirt. So, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna wait until January 31st before I say Liverpool aren't buying a defender. <laughs> well, and they would follow the same uh, tune, right? They got Virgil van Dijk in January. Uh, so, you know, it'd be interesting to see if they get another centre-back. But to your point, uh, especially as the Champions League returns, Jimmy, uh, Liverpool is going to need to really strengthen here. I mean, Reese Williams is great, but he's not that great. I mean, he completely got outpaced uh, in that game. Thank goodness for Allison, because that would have been a goal uh, with, with West Brom. And I just, uh, to James Bench's point, they need a little bit more. And God, let's hope that, you know, uh, Fabinho stays healthy, et cetera, et cetera. Otherwise, real alarm bells here. Yeah, alarm bells. I, every time I kind of worry about Liverpool, they seem to find a way. They have that kind of winner's mentality that I think comes from being champions, not only of the Premier League, but the Champions League. They got a good core of players. We talk about guys that are holding other people accountable a little bit earlier with Diego Costa. I think Liverpool have that, and they have it in spades all over the field. So if it's not Jordan Henderson barking orders, it's Allison back there, or when Virgil van Dijk was healthy, they have it in every single line of the field, and I think that's very important. Now, obviously, we're seeing them being decimated from injuries but they still find ways to win. And if it has to be 4-3, they'll do it 4-3. If it has to be 1-0, they'll have to be 1-0. Yes, I think they should go get a center back and go find somebody. I just don't think that's very easy. I think center backs are very hard to find. I think defending is a lost art. And so to find somebody that maybe fits your particular system could be tough to do. And I don't think teams are going to be like, oh, yeah, here, sure, sure. Up, Upa Makano, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. You can leave RB Leipzig and go to Liverpool. No big deal. You know, it's just not going to happen. I don't think it's going to be as easy to do business if you're a big club because they know if you're smaller that you can charge a little bit more for Liverpool because they have the funds to do so. And they obviously have some ambition to, to maintain their, their status as champions. Uh, so, so I'm pretty curious about what they do in general. But uh, yeah, some other players that I'm looking at, Milik, you know, his, the striker for Napoli, Eric Milik. Now that Diego Costa has moved on, there's some, some rumors there that he might join Atleti in January. They want 15 million for him, but his contract's up in six months. I like Edouard at Celtic. I think he could be a guy that maybe AC Milan could go, go get, even though I think Celtic's putting a pretty, pretty big price on his head. But Milan, if they really want a challenge for the Scudetto, we don't know the extent of Zlatan's injury. I think they're being a little bit coy about exactly how, how severe it is. He obviously is very old. <laughs> he, I mean, he, he defies logic in a lot of ways, but, you know, he's, he's uh, you know, it's possible he could get hurt again. And then I really like Zaha. I mean, Zaha, we talk about him a lot. Crystal Palace, he's been linked with Milan as well. Kind of curious with some teams that are maybe on the, the precipice of maybe challenging for, for the Scudetto in particular, PSG now with Pochettino in charge. Is he going to make some moves in the January transfer window? What do they look like moving forward? So, yeah, a lot of questions there. And I'm actually pretty excited about this January transfer window as opposed to maybe some of the previous ones where people are a little bit more conservative. Yeah. Zaha has a really interesting one as well because his agency, Rock Nation, very close with Milan. Could could be it. He recently joined Rock Nation. So um, I think he'd be amazing. He'd, he'd be the sort of person that could... Uh, be amazing. That'd be great for Milan, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to your point about Pochettino and PSG, of course, uh, that's where I'm very focused on. Not so much PSG, but the players that they're looking at. They're, you know, reports of maybe looking at Christian Eriksen heading to PSG with a swap for Leandro Paredes going to Inter, perhaps. I'm also thinking about Deli Ali. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. somebody who, uh, as we know, per Fabrizio and others, of course, uh, that, you know, 
the talks are basically there. He's going to leave. It's just about, if you watch the Amazon documentary, basically the same conversations that Levy was having with Ericsson. It's the same thing with Deli Ali. They just want to find the right market value, et cetera, et cetera. But interesting to see where he goes and if he goes to PSG. Uh, so a few storylines definitely to watch out for. And then finally, because Jonathan Johnson has done so well on this one about everything that's going on in French football, and, you know, from a financial situation, and there's a lot of value in many of these players. Renato Sanchez from Neil, maybe would he go somewhere? Who knows? So get ready to watch and make sure that you not only listen to us or watch CBS Sports HQ, uh, but also follow us on CBSSports.com because there's so much coming your way in the next few weeks. All right. Quick drop, quick break, and then Wednesday's action. Stay right here. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash CBS Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. To the north of England, Newcastle hosting Liverpool. And Liverpool, of course, uh, you know, can maintain their lead at the top of the table if they get three points. Jimmy, uh, uh, Newcastle. Uh, <laughs> Talk to I'm me. A new, I'm a Newcastle supporter. Just Which is so why everybody I'm laughing. Yeah, exactly. yeah, no, I'm laughing too because we're absolutely terrible. There isn't much to say. Our form is not good. We, we like maintaining 15% possession through games. I don't know how we do it. It's a miracle we even have 15%. However, I will say, and this is a fun fact for everybody, uh, Liverpool have conceded in each of their last six games at St. James's Park where this match is being played. I do think that Liverpool at times, as we talked about them a little bit before in the transfer window, do show some vulnerabilities in the back line. I do think that Newcastle will get a couple good looks. I like the addition to Callum Wilson. I think he's been a nice signing from Bournemouth, one of the one bright spots for the team this season. I like him to score anytime plus 210. Or if you like this one, this is the next level of that. Wilson to score, Liverpool to win. Obviously, both teams to score plus 400. But if you just don't want to worry about any of that, Liverpool to win, both teams to score uh, plus 150. So that's kind of uh, – Liverpool's winning this game, just no matter how you want to package it up. I mean, there's nothing I can say about Newcastle. Be like, oh, that, that will change your mind. That could shift shift the narrative. No, they're, they're, they're bad. And, and the schedule has not been kind to them either, so that's not helping their cause. Uh, also, I'm going to do one of these like stat trebles. I like looking at over two and a half goals, under 10 corners, and under four cards, plus 250. I, I just 
you know, I think it's going to be pretty one-sided here. I don't think Newcastle is going to generate much attack. I don't really feel like Liverpool is going to get over 10 corners. I think everybody's going to be, I don't know, maybe not as chippy as usual. I like under four cards. That's plus 250. Yeah, uh, James, the thing that worries me about this one uh, for, for, from Newcastle's perspective is that uh, they're going to be angry, Liverpool, just, just, <laughs> just for the f- mere fact that Sam Allardyce managed to get uh, a point against them. Uh, just a few updates, by the way, on Thiago Alcantara. He did train fully on Friday. Uh, but obviously, you know, he, Klopp is taking his time with him as well. So his return is, is hopefully sooner rather than later. Obviously, I don't think in this Newcastle game, but he's coming soon. But Liverpool away at Newcastle. New, I mean, what do you see here, James? There's no way Newcastle I'm gonna, can do this. I'm going to do it. I'm going to explain oh, why James. I think that they might get, that Newcastle might get a point. James, so, like, look, they've just been given the perfect blueprint. Now, I think that, that what Allardyce did took a 95% chance of a Liverpool win and turned it into a 90% chance of a Liverpool win. And he was in that 10%. But, you know, what Newcastle have been drilled for years at doing by Rafa and by Steve Bruce is keeping things a bit tight, is getting lucky on the counter. Callum Wilson has the second best shot conversion rate of any striker with over five goals in the Premier League. Only Son scores from more of his high proportion of his shots than Callum Wilson, one in three. You need to get lucky. And West Brom got really lucky, but they also kept Liverpool to two shots on goal. Um, And without someone like Thiago, if you just sit a bank of five and a bank of five and say, break us down, it's really bloody hard. It's really difficult for a team like Liverpool to score consistently, to score two, three goals, to kill the game off. And then you get to the 60th minute, you get to the 70th minute, you're only 1-0 down. All you need to do then suddenly is get lucky, get one set piece. All you're doing, it's not a, this isn't a blueprint to beat Liverpool, but it is a blueprint to maybe nick a point off them in the last few minutes. And that's what Newcastle are going to be there to do. So uh, it's a 10% chance. I'm not drinking that Kool-Aid, James. There's no way I'm drinking that Kool-Aid. On the flip side, I think that Liverpool, because they just played against West Brom, now have an exercise in, okay, this is how we have to break down two walls of five. So I don't know. I guess we could spin it both ways. I just don't think Newcastle has enough quality. Uh, maybe I'm just being a really pessimistic Newcastle fan. Damn you, Mike Ashley. You've killed my spirit. <laughs> and also the uh, the non-football football tactics of non-taxes of Steve Bruce. Trust me, as a former Aston Villa manager, I know too well. And by the way, <laughs> just a few facts that, you know, uh, Jamal Sells and Alan St. Maxon still out due to COVID-19. John Joe uh, Shelby and Ryan Fraser are both expected to miss out to groin injuries. Um, Dubravka, I, I believe also, and but Callum Wilson to James Bench's point, he didn't feature against Man City, so he's he's fresh for this one. So you never know, but I don't know. I see a Liverpool win. What, what do you say, James? Then a, a draw here? Oh no, Liverpool gonna win three <laughs> 0 <laughs> There we go. There we go. Jimmy, I'm with Bench. Yeah, I think I think I'll say three one. I'll give Callum Wilson, given also that that shot conversion, I'll give him a chance to maybe bury one of his chances. I do think he'll get a good look or two on goal. I do think Liverpool do give up a few chances. So we'll see. Is this Newcastle side a relegation side? Are they in that kind of thing? It's getting, it's getting close. close. I think yes. there's three worst teams. Arsenal. it's one of them I I think Newcastle saving grace is the fact that there are three worst teams in the Premier League Uh, but any other other season you never know All right, let's move to Spain because uh, the battle for La Liga right now is in the capital 
as Atletico Madrid and Real Madrid, both even on points, Atletico Madrid has a better goal difference. And on Wednesday, both play. Atleti plays Getafe and uh, Real Madrid away at Elche. Uh, let's begin with Atleti here, Jimmy Conrad. Um, Getafe are, are one of those interesting teams that can be very annoying for the opponent, but Atleti will hopefully do the business as uh, this very exciting uh, season in La Liga uh, continues. Well, listen, I dug out some stats here. They're going to blow your mind. Atleti have kept a clean sheet in their last 18 matches against Hatafe in all competitions. I mean, what kind of stat is that? Holy ish, everybody. That is wild. Both teams have gone under two and a half goals in five out of their last six La Liga games. And Atleti have been winning at both halftime and full-time in their last 10 home matches against Hatafe. It is at home at the Wanda for Atleti in this one. So who am I to break tradition, everybody? Who am I? Uh, the under 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 two and a half goals is minus 170. I don't really like that one. Atleti keeping it in a clean sheet is minus 165. It's not the best value, but if you like that, go for it. Atleti to win both halves, though, is plus 340, if you're feeling that. Atleti to win the first half and draw the second half is plus 285. I kind of like that one. Or Atleti to draw the first half uh, and win the second half is plus 410. Pick your poison, everybody. That's what I'm saying. I, I, I think Atleti's going to win this one in the stats and history prove that to be true. James, uh, Kieran Trippier has been suspended, obviously, by the FA for a breach of regulations and is unlikely to feature in this one. Hector Herrera, the Mexican, is an injury concern. He'll probably be rested. But uh, what do you see here? Atletico Madrid against Getafe. So, I mean, you know, kind of Kieran Trippier might have been their best player this season. I mean, he, and he's played every minute. He's got a good number of assists. I mean, yes, I know he's not Joao Felix and we don't all kind of wake up every morning and go, Karen Trippier is going to be the next Ballon d'Or winner. But no, my, been... my argument would be Hermoso, but Karen Trippier definitely is up there. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he's yeah, definitely he's a good really, argument. Really, good. And I wonder how long, because he, someone with his versatility is so crucial to getting this back three, back four hybrid to work. I do wonder if you might see some growing pains. And so that maybe means like a nil-nil draw or something. I'll be intrigued to see how they cope because I assume it'd be Vesalico come in, who is a perfectly adequate replacement. But um, I thought when I'd seen Atleti play well this season, it's just that really honed machine of a settled starting eleven. Everyone knows what they're doing. Um, take one part out, I could see this being a bit of a, a slog and bad Atletico Madrid games are games I do not want to watch. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of that one, uh, let's now move, Jimmy, to Real Madrid, who are away at Elche, uh, way lower in the table. Uh, Real Madrid, um, you know, so hope, you know, aside from the fact that they want to win this game, they have to continue their, their momentum to add the pressure on Atleti. How do you see this one um, as uh, Real visit Elche? I don't think Elche are going to be that easy to break down. They've drawn five out of the last seven, kind of got Fulham vibes there with that, but they are also winless in their last eight. So even though they're tough to break down, they also don't are, are demonstrating that they have that quality to go on and kick on and win games, especially against an informed Madrid who have been uh, fantastic. They've won five of their, their last five games, excuse me, by, by two goals or more. And three of those five were two zero. So I think everybody should consider maybe going with the under here, two and a half goals plus plus one forty, which I thought was pretty interesting. Uh, the, the other one that I really like is Asensio. He came off the bench last week um, and he was maybe even the man of the match, came in and stole it, had a good assist to Kareem Benzema, hit one off the post, uh, very active. I think he's going to get the start over Vinicius Jr. here. And I think he has to have a good game if he wants to get in the lineup and, and feature more regularly. So I like him to score anytime plus 175. I think that's really good value for him as well. He's going to get some chances. Benzema, yeah, he's been very good, but he also 
you know, quietly lays off a lot of good stuff and, and, and takes away so much attention from the guys on the wings, it should create some space for Asensio to at least get a couple opportunities and hopefully he would score. That said, if you think Elche has something in their bag, very similar to Fulham or Newcastle, uh, I think Madrid's going to win, no doubt. But if you like Madrid to win at both teams to score, that's plus 185, which I also think is pretty good value. So something to consider. Well, from Real Madrid's perspective, James Benja Hazard is back in the squad. Woo. And Sudan did say Sudan <laughs> <laughs> did say that he might feature a little bit. Uh, Luka Modric also returns. Uh, Rodrigo still out. Uh, but to Jimmy's point, Benzema, as long as Benzema is there and he's looking good and healthy, anything is possible. How do you see this one? Yeah, I'm, I'm really interested by how Hazard adapts now he's kind of when he comes back into the team. And obviously, you have to give him time. It's been a really rough 2020 for him, as it has been for so many. Um, but this is the kind of this is the perfect time to bring any new player. And Hazard is basically a new player. Bring anyone into the team because it's rolling. We all know the system. We all know the other 10 players on the pitch. Whether, you know, I'm sure he'll come off the bench and then start in the new year. I kind of think if it doesn't click now, it's probably not going to click. So he, this is a really defining period for him. I still, you know, you have to assume that the player that we saw light up the Premier League with Chelsea is still there and, and can still be unearthed. But the clock's ticking, I think it's definitely fair to say. Yeah, the clock is definitely ticking for, I mean, it, like you said, it's been a terrible 2020, but we know the quality that he brings. It's just that we haven't seen it. So hopefully this is the beginning of him coming back to action. So, all right. So, Jimmy, you have this uh, Real Madrid win in this one? Yeah, I see 2-0 again. I, I, I think that Madrid just know who they are. They've always known who they are, but they're rounding into form. You know, they're, they're, they win the games that they should be winning. I think they know their identity, which I think is a big struggle for a lot of clubs around the world at the moment and they have a manager that knows who knows his players everybody's somewhat healthy and i think if they want to continue to put pressure on atleti who are still you know obviously without diego costa making sure that they're still evolving and i think the loss of trippier is a good one a good point that bench brings up i mean he has been a very consistent uh contributing member to the squad and so we'll see if if um you know they can fill fill the gaps i mean they have some options but but maybe no none as steady as as trippier yeah uh, James, you see a Real win here, Real Madrid win here. Yeah, definitely. Yep, nice and easy, easy for me too. All right, that's it. Uh, before we go, final thoughts from either one as we uh, wrap up uh, twenty twenty. Jimmy will be with us in a, in a longer episode of this, but James, any final words as we as we say goodbye to the year that was? Uh, no, I don't want to think about this year anymore. Just end it. <laughs> it's ending very soon, James. Man, Jimmy, any final words? Yeah, I was going to uh, throw some shade over at Bench because he said, I never want to see a bad Atleti game. It's the worst thing ever. I'm like, what do you think Liverpool-Newcastle is going to be? It's like the worst <laughs> game of all time. So anyway, enjoy your Wednesdays, everybody. I hope you guys win some money and uh, come say hi to us online and social media and all that good stuff. Hey, by the way, I was the only one that said Arsenal will beat Chelsea. Was I not? I didn't say 3 nothing. I said one I'm nothing. still hungover from <laughs> celebrating that. I'm still hungover. What a win. Thank you so much, boys. I want to thank Jimmy Conrad and James Bench for joining me today. Don't forget that you can follow us on Kegolasso Pod on Twitter, leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, and follow us on Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever you listen to your pods. Thank you so much and have a great day. <laughs>